0: I wanted to write to people that working inside of organizations, so that's the entrepreneur within an organization, but it really focused on people that have the entrepreneur within their heart, within their soul, uh, and they could experience the joys
1: of entrepreneurship um, without having to quit their day job. Welcome to Forward with Nacy inspiring entrepreneurial action a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs entrepreneurial leaders and the communities that support us we hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration inspires you to take action and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together
2: Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. I'm Rebecca Corbin, President and CEO of NACI, and I'm very excited to have a special guest, an author, a distinguished professor, and somebody who's done a lot of really good work with nonprofits supporting entrepreneurship. So it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Alex DeNoble uh, to our program today. Uh, how are you doing today, Alex?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, it's gonna be a fine day here in San Diego, and um... Looking forward to talking with you today.
2: That's great. Well, it's beautiful weather in San Diego. I know <laughs> that traffic can be a challenge, but we're we're really happy to have you in our studio today. And I want to begin because I, I know a lot of people in the entrepreneurship world that have either been involved with you, USASB or NACI know uh, about your work, but uh, others who might be listening may not have um, heard about you. So I'd like to begin with maybe some things that impacted you growing up and, and eventually choosing a career in higher education and entrepreneurship. So just share with us a little bit about you and your life
0: story. My life story. Well, wow. Okay. Thank you so much for this. Um, I was born in uh, New York City and raised in New Jersey and really spent my formative years in the East Coast in that particular region. My initial training was in the area of public accounting, and so I started working. I went to school in the area. I started working in the area. And I just knew that I wanted something different because uh, a friend of mine moved to Blacksburg, Virginia, and um, I went down to visit him. And that's when I discovered Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech was so different. The atmosphere, the environment was so different from what I was used to in a city environment that I decided it just drew me there. And I ended up staying for a master's and a doctorate. And one thing led to another, which um, uh, I ended up getting a teaching position, a faculty position at San Diego State University. So never really haven't been on the West Coast before. Drove across the country, start (laughs) my new job. And that was 40 years ago.
2: That's that's amazing. And I imagine even though being an east coast person moving and and probably working and living most of your life on the west coast you've probably traveled all around the world uh, haven't you doing doing oh, your boy. work and and speaking with people maybe share with us a, a place or two or maybe an experience of, of where you've traveled to wow
0: i've been to russia taiwan egypt more recently um Uh, Just uh, I spend a lot of time in Mexico working because of our proximity to the border there. But each place uh, and oh, and also Helsinki, Finland. I've had uh, a great relationship with Alto University in Helsinki. So for the past 15 years, I have been spending three weeks in the summer in Helsinki, Finland. Um, Alto has been very good to me there. I get an apartment in downtown Helsinki, and I work with them for a while, and um, I've really gotten to know Finland and that area quite well, and I would have never imagined that before.
2: Yeah, it just shows you really what having an entrepreneurial mindset can do, and you find environments where you really feel like you can thrive and, and prosper as, as you have at Virginia Tech. and. A lot of people have have those experiences. I know in, in the work that I do, we work a lot with community colleges um, trying to get, you know, first generation students and, you know, people of, of all ethnic backgrounds and, and some from different countries and get them on the on-ramp to higher education. And whether they go into the trades or eventually transfer to a university, it's, it's really kind of the gateway and to happy life. And I think that was one thing I read about Finland—they uh, are some of the world's happiest people. So that's always a good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a good place to be. But I want to talk to you a, a little bit more uh, about um, some work that you've been uh, that you've been doing. I know you've written a number of books, and and your most recent book, which I'm going to show for our um, video version, "The Entrepreneur Within." I, I love uh, the cover of it, and there's a tagline on the front that says, "You don't have to quit your day job to experience entrepreneurship," and that is. Wow, radically inclusive. So, maybe let's begin. Tell us what inspired you um, after all of the work that you've done to write this particular book.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, um, this is my first book. Uh, I've written a number of articles. uh, I've had the opportunity to, as part of my career as a professor, um, over a span of 40 years, I've written many academic articles and so forth, but I've always wanted to write a book. And I wanted to learn that experience. And and so uh, when I had a chance to take a particular program that uh, taught me how to write a book, which is very different from writing an academic article, it's a totally different writing style. And When I thought about it, I wanted to pick something to learn how to write a book, but I wanted to pick low-hanging fruit. Now, I've been teaching corporate entrepreneurship um, with executives at Qualcomm, San Diego Gas and Electric, Siemens Corporation, and in Helsinki, Finland with Korean companies like LG corporations Samsung you know and in Mexico I teach a lot with setis University with uh, graduate students and so forth so I have a lot of experience in working with uh, executives and graduate students in teaching this particular topic so as I learned how to write in this new style for me a new style um, it was easy to do that while I was on a subject matter that I knew something about.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting because I've I've seen you cited in so many books and textbooks. It's it's really remarkable that um, you really embrace this opportunity uh, to do something different, which is really what we try to encourage students and leaders to do and um, even in your introduction on page 15, you begin um, with a quote by Duke Ellington saying, a problem is a chance for you to do your best. And to mm-hmm. me, that's really the framing of an entrepreneurial mindset. It's not trying to avoid problems or cover up problems, but looking at it in terms of, of opportunity and As we were preparing for this conversation, uh, you were uh, sharing with me a little bit about the the FBI framework, which is kind of a cool acronym. So maybe you could share with everybody, what does that stand for? And then I'd like to get into an example of something that you write about in the book.
0: In corporate entrepreneurship, I was writing from the perspective of somebody with an idea inside of an existing company, but did not have uh, a pathway to have people in the organization take the idea credibly and so I wanted to provide that kind of a pathway and to be honest I I was looking for a way to provide a framework that was simple easy to remember and FBI came to me in the shower one day I have to admit and um, it was an aha moment for me and I said let me try this um If you've got an idea and you want to present it inside of your company, you have to be able to frame it in such a way that decision makers could understand it and ultimately support the idea. But then you have to get the buy-in of other people inside of the organization who might be affected by your idea. And I've got some examples around that. And then ultimately, you have to Lead the initiative if you get that chance uh, and you have to implement it. So frame the idea so decision makers could understand it. Get the buy in from people that you need to support it and then focus on the implementation of the idea. So FBI framework for corporate entrepreneurship. That's how it evolved.
2: That's great. And I, I was sharing with you um some of the things that we have coming up in Macy's in world, we're doing an innovation and in action summit uh, out in the Los Angeles area in just a couple of weeks. And it'll be convening of 11 college presidents and some foundation people and other leaders. And I thought that framework in your book in particular offered some real pearls of wisdom. And, and I can tell in some respects, it's written for more of a corporate audience because it's not heavy with academic jargon. You know, there's you know, facts and things sprinkled in. But one of the things that I love about it is your examples of people. So I'm going to flip ahead to chapter six. The title of chapter six is Aligning Your Project with the Organization, Culture and Structure, Achieving Strategic Fit. Now, what could be better um, for either corporate leaders or or academic leaders who are trying to align with a corporate plan? They've got to work with their board. They have shared governance. They've got to work with faculty. They've got to work with staff. They've got to meet student needs. There's got to be that alignment. So you tell the story of Todd Mitchell at Aqualong, and I think you illustrated a point uh, that you felt connected very well to the FBI framework. So tell us a little bit about Todd's story and, and how that connects.
0: Well, Todd, um, I mean, uh, I met Todd uh, through a mentor program that we run at San Diego State University. And it was during the writing, I mean, the, the early writing of the book where I had to find people that could share stories with me that I could illustrate different concepts uh, about corporate entrepreneurship. And Todd shared with me his um, previous work at a company called Aqualung. Now, Aqualung has been around for a long time. It was founded by the famous uh, undersea uh, explorer Jacques Cousteau, Mm Decades ago, um, I used to watch Jacques Cousteau as a, as a child in the, uh, in the 1960s. And, uh, I was always fascinated by that. And Todd's working for Aqualung at the time and Aqualung has always been known for its scuba diving equipment. Um, that's naturally where Jacques Cousteau came from and Todd was, uh, in sales and, He came across a famous Olympic swimmer. I'm not allowed to use this person's name, but a famous Olympic swimmer that had a goggle, a unique swimming kind of a goggle that they felt would be a nice addition to uh, the Aquid Lung product line. But selling that kind of gear was very different from... The traditional gear and the traditional branding of Aqualung. and so Todd had a challenge that he had to frame the idea when when he saw this opportunity. he wanted to frame the idea so that senior decision makers could really understand it. And uh, there was the branding associated with this particular swimmer uh, that was well known you know, it was in the swimming world, but in a very different way. So it was a challenge that he had to convince them through potential volume. But the more important part of that was the implementation piece, because he had to get country managers around the world um, to embrace this and to be able to align it with their strategic decision. I mean, with their, with their operations. Um, uh, because uh, again, this is a very different market. It's a very different sales approach. Uh, it has very different business process implications. So that's the one challenge for people trying to implement new ideas. They see the idea but then, to recognize how an organization has to reposition its business processes to effectively implement it, uh, that is what I tried to illustrate with Todd Mitchell's story
2: yeah, that that's a great example. And it you know, it shows you that really, as the world changes and we've all experienced that collectively through the pandemic that. You know, if we don't innovate and make those changes, you know, in some respects, you risk a little bit by changing the model, and and you know, cost you money, it costs you time. But if you don't, you risk being left behind or are really outpaced by others. So, I really appreciate um, that example, and and I think that you know, it offers a lot, regardless of industry that people might be in, and I, I think. You know, just kind of getting back to the title is is really that it sounds to me like what you're saying is the entrepreneur is within all of us, really. Despite how many uh, talents we might have or how few talents that we might have, a lot of the work that we do here at NACI is supporting everyday entrepreneurs. So these might be folks that have a skilled trade or a, a, an idea for a main street business, all the way up to some of the tech startups and and some of the folks that you've mentored throughout your career. So. Um, I want to thank you so much, uh, Alex uh, Dr. denoble for joining us. I really encourage people um to really think about you know how might you know tapping into your own entrepreneurial spirit open up opportunities in in your own life or in your community. and like you said you're you're constantly traveling around the world. so even though you've worked um have a distinguished career for forty years, you know it sounds like your your work is going to continue on for. <laughs>
1: decade so. uh, plus
2: plus uh, to the future. And yeah. so I don't know if you wanted to leave us with a final thought. Um, I'd encourage people to get on Amazon uh, to pick up this book, The Entrepreneur Within. But if there's anything yeah. you just want to close out with today.
0: I chose that title, The Entrepreneur Within. It had a double meaning to it. And I'm glad you picked up on that because I really focused. Uh, I wanted to write to people that working inside of organizations so that's the entrepreneur within an organization but it really focused on people that have the entrepreneur within their heart within their soul Uh, and they could experience the joys of entrepreneurship um, without having to quit their day job Uh, and that's 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 what I tried to convey with this book
2: And as you said, often, one thing leads to another. (laughs) So thank you again. Um, I I really appreciate that. I hope you have a wonderful day.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, you too. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at naci.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership dot dot com